Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys, as always. And today, we announce to you, although you probably already know, but we announce to you where Carolina is heading for their bowl game here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. We'll give you an early look at where the Tar Heels are. Uh, we'll be heading and sort of break down that game just a little bit. And uh, we'll also uh, give you a couple of notes at the end, including one that involves uh, another uh, team in the ACC Coastal that made a coaching move and whether or not Carolina should be interested in the coach that was let go in some capacity. Uh, we'll also tell you about uh, a couple other recruiting uh, notes at the end of the show as well. But we start off... Uh, by telling you uh, about, we're talking to you about the fact that uh, Sam Howe uh, is returning to play in the bowl game. That was announced yesterday on the day of recording here on Tuesday. Uh, Sam coming back, Carolina um, will at least have him one last time and a chance to finish out his career a little bit better than it finished out uh, how we thought it was going to finish out in the game against NC State. Uh, there's a bunch of different ways to look at this, but I think the initial thing is, uh, I mean, what's your takeaway from him choosing to come back and, and play in the bowl game as first reported by the guy that you heard on the previous edition of the podcast, David Hale of ESPN? By the way, did I get my flowers for making that happen? Uh, I did not uh, shout you out official or okay. So I haven't recorded the start and finish of the pod. So I just jumped into it real quick because I got him on the phone like a couple of minutes after he got on. So yes, I will of course credit you for that. But yeah, thanks for getting him on. Uh, you you guys, um, you know the sh- the radio show that we do here in Charlotte, uh, the radio station that we work for, and the show that you work for has him on 
Um, they've had him on rather frequently here yeah. recently. So you have his contact information. You reached out for me, and uh, I greatly appreciate that because, I mean, man, he did a, he did a heck of a job of breaking that story, um, talking to some of his sources to get that out there. He was the first one. He said it was very interesting, by the way, when you see uh, somebody tag his Twitter handle, and it says, according to, uh, according to a source, at a David Hale joint, yeah. Sam Howell is returning. He says, I lose a little bit of credibility. I think we gave him a little more credibility by bringing him on this great show. Yeah. Um, I still want lunch for making that happen. So, uh, whatever you feel the need to go to Chick-fil-A, Bojangles. A beautiful Wendy's 4 for 4. Wendy's 4 or no, for 4? Actually, actually, did you know that uh, it is now 4 for 5? Because uh, everything... Every, Inflation kicks in, man. Inflation kicks in. So, surprised but not surprised. You're surprised because if you uh, envision your starting quarterback leaving to go to the NFL, he wouldn't compete in a meaningless bowl game. But it's also not surprised because this is Sam Howell. This is a guy who for three years has done everything he can do to be on the football field no matter, you know, injury, circumstance, whatever. And if this is the last time we see him in a Tar Heel uniform, he doesn't want the last image to be what Mitch Trubisky's was when he got stomped against NC State as well. And so that's why. Um, and you're not, you're not going to be surprised if, if you know that. That's why it's not surprising to see Sam. Also, the game being in Charlotte, him growing up in Sun Valley and in, in, in the Entrail, it would be a rather it'd be a homecoming of sorts. His career comes full circle could end where it started and then eventually pick back up in the NFL if he gets drafted by the hometown Panthers. But there are there are drawbacks to if he plays. And the drawback is this, is if he's gone, if he plays and then declares for the NFL draft or declares for the NFL draft and still plays, it's getting in the way of finding out who your next quarterback's going to be. Now, you'll have those 12 to 15 practices. Right. But you don't have those... Those those live game reps. Well, the the, the 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 one thing that we don't know is okay. He is going to play in this game. How much is he going to play though? Is there a chance? Well, if he's going to play, you're going to play to win the game. You're not going to do a multiple quarterback system, right? Well, no, but I'm saying I wouldn't. I, it wouldn't be a naturally designed system like that. But let's say that things just aren't going great. For him, do you take him out at some point, especially with the in, the the upper body injury that he had coming into and, and what caused him to miss the Wofford game and what he came into the NC State game with? I think that's a question mark. Absolutely. So I I mean, look, I think it's debatable. I think, like you said, there's a couple of different factors here. First of all, yeah, the kid's a gamer. Like we've always known that. You, even when you watched him back in high school, I mean, there were multiple games he came out of injured, came back into the game. Like mm-hmm. he's just not a guy that's going to go down and sit games out. It's just not how he is. He's the football version of me as a podcast host that I always show up for the big moments and even the little moments and every moment in between. You wouldn't let your plan of fascia bother you? No. <laughs> That's not, an, that's an inside joke here on the podcast. Does, does not get in the way of my work or my effort. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's just that this is a game that I think he he knows. If, I I wonder if they would have won the game against NC State. I don't think he plays in this game. Right. I think he wants to go out with a win. Also, I think like you said, 
the bowl location has a lot to do with it. I think if this, let's say Carolina got put in the game that what they were most slated to outside of the matchup in the Duke's Mayo Bowl that a lot of people saw the day before they unveiled the official bowl designations. If he ended up in the Gasparilla Bowl against Western Kentucky, wouldn't have played. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think it's location. It's the team you're playing, too, because his career literally can come full circle if he decides to head to the NFL after this game. He will have started his career, first career, first career game, he starts that game against South Carolina in Bank of America Stadium, and he could finish his career in Bank of America Stadium against South Carolina. Yeah. So that's that, that would be a really cool storyline as well. Now, I will say this. I do have a source that is close to him um, that did tell me that this is something that, um, that ba- basically, and David Hale talked about this a little bit too, this is probably seen as a chance for him to go out and get a little more on tape and try to impress scouts um, in, in in this game on a national stage where you're kind of going to be separate. You're in your own time slot. There's no other games that people be watching at that time. And I think it's more about just how weak this draft class is for quarterbacks. If this was even last year's draft class, I don't think playing in a bowl game would really help you out that much. I don't think it's going to help this year, though, either. This year's draft class, I think it could, because who do, do we really know anything about any of these guys? It's who a, out of this draft class do you honestly think is a, going to be a surefire, good NFL quarterback? And I'm saying good, not even great. It's a meaningless bowl game, though. NFL scouts are not going to put as much stock into what he does against South Carolina as they did the previous 11 games he played this year. I mean, it doesn't hurt, though. If you come out and play a fantastic game, because, look, we, we let's get this out there before we talk about this game a little bit more. This game means more to South Carolina than it means to, Absolutely. to the Tar Heels. So they are going to be playing with some fire. Let's say he goes out and throws for 350 yards, 400 yards in this game and four touchdowns. I don't, I don't think they're going to look at that as nothing. In this class where I think you're literally going to be sort of, I mean, you're, you're going to be looking for anything to go off of with these, to, for separation with these guys. Because I think everybody, you're, you're going to be pulling the strings to try to find something about these guys that separate them. I think this could be a chance for him to sort of, put himself firmly into that first round. Because I think right now, I'm not 100% sure that he is a first-round quarterback. I think there's a there's a good chance, but I think there is there is that slim chance that he could fall into the second round right now because I don't think he's on the level of the picket or I guess probably Matt Corral. Those are the ones I've seen the most that are seen as surefire first-round guys. I don't think he's a first-round draft pick. I've been on record saying that. I guess the the second half of the season because I thought entering the year I think we all thought he was a first round pick top ten pick that didn't prove to be the case and then look you look at the numbers and you say well why is he not a, why is he not a first rounder the numbers are great the numbers are there but it's the the things that the NFL looks at where he still has got to work on I don't think I don't think there's you can do so much in this game to move your draft stock from the second round to the first round because it's not a playoff or a New Year's Six bowl game. 
those are the games, like with the NCAA tournament, for guys that are trying to make a case for their draft stock, they're going to put more value in those games because those games are against more legit competition. You're playing for something a whole lot more meaningful. Now, I think I don't think he's a first-round quarterback, but I do think he will get selected in the first round because the NFL is a quarterback-thirsty league, and you look at a third of the league and you could say they need, they need a quarterback. So there's going to be teams that are going to overdraft and they're going to overvalue quarterbacks to, to draft them, which could be good or bad for Sam. So I, I think that's I think, that, I think that's where you're kind of torn. You don't tell the guy no if he wants to play. He's the best player in the history of your program. But I also think you've got to look at it from the what's best for the program side of things as well. Is if, if, is if he leaves for the NFL, what's ultimately best for Carolina is Drake May and Jacoby Criswell playing the game over Sam Howell. Well, I, I, I think you're right. Um, Say that again. I, I, I do. I, I really do think you're right. But I think also, I mean, yeah, like you said, you're not going to tell this dude no because he's done so much for you. I mean, he is pretty much the reason for the early success that Mac Brown has had in his return to Chapel Hill in Mac Brown 2.0. Without him, this no, none of this happens. This is not a team that goes to the Orange Bowl in 2020. That's that's not even remotely possible because he just took you to that different level with him at quarterback. So you're not going to tell him no. I think the thing that, and, and you said it earlier, the thing that helps is that this the approach to these practices is probably going to be similar to what we heard Mac Brown say back in the summer mm-hmm. when remember Jeremiah Gimmel's not really running with the ones um some of the other veteran guys we're not running them with the ones because we are trying to get some of the younger guys reps i think look sam knows this offense i don't think you're going to have to get him a ton of reps i think what's going to end up happening is in a lot of these practices you're going to see a lot of drake may and criswell with the ones and you'll see Sam take some snaps with the ones, but probably some snaps with the younger guys as well, um, and, and just make sure that he's ready to go. They'll probably work on trying to get him fully, you know, as, as fully rehabbed as they can uh, with the shoulder, and just let him go out there and see what he's got in one last hurrah. Let's see yeah. if we can send him out with a, a big-time victory here. And so let's get into the bowl game. Carolina selected to the Duke's Mayo Bowl. It'll be an 11:30 kickoff in the morning uh, on ESPN here what, from Charlotte. What TV person? I mean, I guess you start at 11:30 because you could probably get five games in a day, so they fit four in. Yeah, They're, that, that's that's what it is. They're trying to get one at 11, two, five, and eight. That's so, that's basically what the setup. You is. know, here's a better way to make this more possible: not let games take four hours. And you could start that's games. Too much, that's too much. That to start ask, games Come at on. a normal time, and and still get all those games in. It's a weird time, and it's a weird time for the Belk Bowl because this is usually a it was it's it's usually been a late or mid afternoon or, or or late afternoon bowl game. Um, and the last couple of years, it's kind of lost its luster with some of the matchups we've been given. But with this one, hey, with with, with hey, two man. with two local teams. And South Carolina making a bowl game, which wasn't the expectation in year one under Shane Beamer. Right. This is a more intriguing bowl game in more ways than one. The time slot really did catch me off guard. And because of the time slot, I can't go to the game. So now I have to complain about the time slot. That's a good point. Actually, earlier today, uh, my our boss, 
uh, came in, uh, the 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 uh, the hog. He came in and said, "Hey man, you going to the game on uh, on December 30th?" I said, uh, "I don't know. I might have to be here at work." He said, "Game's at 11:30. You'll be at the game." Who said this? <laughs> Colin. What? Yeah. So uh, so I'll be there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and get tickets. I'm gonna go. But um, yeah. So one of us will be there. But see, you're right. This creates an inter- an interesting dynamic. I wonder how many people this honestly affects because, I mean, it's one thing to, you know, expect, I mean, this time of year, it's easier to get time off, but I mean, that's the day before what most people have as a scheduled holiday on the 31st, Friday. Are you going to be able to get off to go to an 11.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. kickoff? Also, what really stinks about that, I know that maybe for this game, because for Carolina, it's just not. If, if you're a Toriel fan, I mean, how? I know that, look, you're excited to go see your team in person again one more time this year, and then that's it for the season. How excited, honestly, are you for this game? I, I don't feel like there is a ton of excitement. Like, you're excited that Sam Howell's playing. Mm-hmm. You're excited to maybe see if... This defense can show you something heading into next year, but this isn't. This is not the hype that you had for the Orange Bowl game last year. But you don't get to tailgate or anything really either. It's an eleven thirty kickoff. You don't have time to tailgate. So I'm not a huge fan of of, of the time slot either. Um, but yeah, I mean everything else about it, I, I I like. I like the fact that you're getting a, a, a team in South Carolina. It's got that rivalry feel, even though it's not an official rivalry. And you, of course. Um, have the fact that it's that it's here in Charlotte, an mm-hmm. area where you know I'll be interested to see what the turnout is like um, for both sides. Is it more even? Because remember, when they were here back in 2019, there were not a lot of Toriel fans. There are going to be more Gamecock fans in the building. I mean, their I think base, it's going to be closer than the last time. Though. Their I fan think the base tra- is more passionate than our fan base, and they travel. Better than our fan base travels. And the fact that they got here in year one under Shane Beamer. Like, if this was Will Muschamp, they would be not showing up in protest because they wanted him fired. Shane is, like, now their second son. They love him there. And what he's done in year one has them hopeful that they can be competitive again at a high level. It's going to be pro Gamecock. Um, and rightfully so. There's going to be the Charlotte area contingent Tar Heel fans in the building. People aren't traveling unless they're in Charlotte for the New Year's holiday to come watch Carolina in the bowl game because this was a top ten football team that's playing in a mid tier bowl game. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I, I I'll be interested to see because the back in 2019 there were n- basically no Tariel fans which, in the building. Which, which see that was more surprising because you thought Mac back in Charlotte. 3.30 kick, so not even a noon kick. It was a mid-afternoon kick. You would have thought, with all the hype and just the excitement around the program entering the season, you would have thought there would have been a lot more of us in the building. I think the the thing about that game was that, remember, that was a game where most people thought going in, you didn't even stand a chance to win that game, which to me didn't make a ton of sense. Like, I, I, I thought, uh, honestly, I remember thinking back to that game, especially 
because you were having to start a converted quarterback at linebacker. Yeah. Which, by the way, have we said enough times on this podcast how much we miss him and the other four players that went to the NFL? Dearly. Um, But I, I, I did not think that that South Carolina team was that good where they would just blow the Tar Heels off, off the face of the earth. There were a lot of people, though, that felt that way, and I feel like that was a big part of the reason why people didn't show up for that game. Yeah. This game... You get a different feel. Like, this is one of those games where even though it doesn't mean as much for the Tar Heels, this should be a game that you should still come out and win. And, of course, I mean, we'll we'll break this down more as we get closer. But it's not going to be easy because this is a South Carolina team that honestly feels kind of like you did in 2019, where you got to the bowl game and you felt like this is a really good step in year one. So you're going to have to sort of match that intensity and say, look, even though we didn't have the season that we were supposed to have, we've got to come out ready to go and be prepared. And the motivation in this game should be you haven't won away from Chapel Hill the entire season. Mm-hmm. So that's that that's where your motivation needs to be heading into this game. This will be the second matchup with the Gamecocks in Charlotte in the last three years. Of course, that 2019 uh, 24 to 20 victory for the Tar Heels to open the Mac Brown 2.0 era, and this will be the one of three matchups now with this game now scheduled in f- a five-year span in Charlotte. The 2023 season opener on September 2nd, 2023, uh, will also be in Bank of America in Charlotte. Also, this will be the fifth time that the Tar Heels will play in a bowl game in Charlotte all five of which have come since 2004. Yeah. Carolina lost the first three of those matchups, but they won the last matchup. And that was against Cincinnati. Yep. Uh, and in the Belk Bowl, uh, the previous uh, matchups, uh, Carolina not a ton of success in those. But interestingly enough, those three consecutive bowl games were all, they, those were in three consecutive times that the Tariels made bowl games they went to Charlotte yeah and lost so mm-hmm. um they they haven't had a ton of success in Charlotte overall um when it's come to the bowl games but hopefully they're able to have uh success in this one this will also be the first ever meeting between the Tar Heels and Gamecocks in a bowl game they have never met before prior to that in a bowl game so um we'll take a quick break come back uh, talk about a couple other storylines and then we will get you guys out of here, but first, we have to let you hear from our sponsor, DraftKings, and uh, a familiar voice telling you about the offer that DraftKings has. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you will be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers shots at millions of dollars 
and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Bet $1 on any team to score, and you win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. Only one per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, guys. Welcome back in here to the Heeltop Blog Podcast. We hope you are taking advantage of those great opportunities as read to you by one Joshua Marlowe there. Full name. Gosh. Yeah, well, I have to. Just fantastic voiceover work, my man. I've gotten pretty good at my uh, reads, I would I would say. The now, dulcet tones of one Josh Marlowe telling you about some great opportunities over there at DraftKings. Hopefully you're taking advantage of those. By the way, got to shout this performance out. 100 yards, 75 receiving yards or more for uh, Javante Williams the other night on Sunday Night Football. First Denver running back to ever do that. In a primetime game, so congratulations to him. He's been fantastic so, it's, so far it's, this it's season. It's just in primetime games? I believe that was the stat. I don't know. It's They have so many different qualifications for this stat. It, it, these stats these days, it's just nuts. But he is having a fantastic season. It's looking more and more like he's going to probably be the full-time starter for them mm-hmm. next year. Um, and, I, and the scary part is his numbers, very comparable to Jonathan Taylor's from yeah. a year ago. Oh, yeah, yeah I saw watch that out. on the uh, on the twitter.com. He's having a big time season and it's been really fun to see because that offense isn't very fun to watch. Oh, that offense is not not good um, outside of him. But he he's been he's been a really big piece and so before Michael Carter got hurt. He yeah, was doing I was some gonna nice say. things for the Jets. Um which you usually can't say about the Jets. So those guys are proving in the NFL why Carolina missed them so dearly this season uh, in their backfield. Yeah, no, it's great to see those guys having success. Deami Brown had a little bit of success this past week. Mac Hollins caught a touchdown against the Giants because the Giants suck. We can revisit Deami Brown when the season's over because right now the Washington football team is They are making a hard charge. They're, they're within two games of the Cowboys. We play them twice in the next three weeks, and I don't know if Anthony Brown's matched up against him if he can guard Deami Brown. <laughs> the star... Is starting to get a bit nervous. Well, Diami just now got back in there. But look, we're talking about all these great NFL guys. If you want to be able to place some money on these guys that we're talking about, head over to DraftKings.com and check all that great stuff out there. Make sure, put some money down on these dudes. Javante Williams, Michael Carter when he comes back from injury, Matt Collins, they can make you some money. So, I mean, they're doing it for themselves. Why not make yourself some money? As well, so let's get into uh, some of the other notes. <laughs> that was a good look at the NFL guys. Um, let's talk about a guy in the ACC Coastal that is no longer employed as of right now. We believe, we believe they have finally told Manny Diaz that he is actually fired. By the way, I know this is a Toriel podcast. What in the actual hell were they doing to Manny Diaz? That that is the most unprofessional way that you could go about hiring a coach I've ever seen in my entire life. So you, you may have to bleep this. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Let, let's settle down. Let's settle down a little bit here. He was being treated like 
the third person in a relationship who was watching I, the, I, okay the I other get exactly where you were gonna go relation um it was an embarrassment but the whole coaching carousel that has been 2021 has been an embarrassment to the sport and Miami just said we're gonna do the Miami thing which we're gonna do it on crack <laughs> Without an athletic director, by Without the way. It, Still not confirmed. That was the the best part about it. Was it was, well, if Dan Radakovich takes the job, well, then Mario Cristobal is going to come to Miami and coach the football team. But if Dan Radakovich tells them no, well, now we're going to – we'll keep Manny Diaz or either – or the best part was as of Sunday the belief was he was going to be retained as the defensive coordinator – on Mario Cristobal's staff. Okay, so I I want to get into this. I did not actually, which by the way, that what? How is that going to go over? If that was the actual plan, yeah, I, I'm sure that would have went over very very well. It was said, hey, hey Manny, hey man, I know you've done. You know, we got you as the head coach here. We really hyped you up over the last couple of years. You know. Son of, son of the former mayor of Miami. You know, we we stole you away from Temple. Hey, uh. You've seen the rumors, right? Yeah. Uh, we're just going to demote you to D coordinator. Yeah, I don't think that would have went over all that well. Now, that does bring up an interesting conversation, though. He was, of course, a defensive coordinator under Mac Brown. Yep. I do not have the years in front of me. It was towards the latter end of his time at Texas. Right. Is this somebody that... The Tar Heels yes. should be monitoring. Yes. No. Monitoring is not no. I'm at the point, and it was so funny as you brought up our man Colin Hoggard. Hoggard was in our in our pre-show meeting today. We talked about Manny Diaz, defensive coordinator. By the way, uh, 2011 to 13. And I was adamant that he needs to be in Chapel Hill. And I got a an a not. He usually agrees with me because I'm very smart, and so is he. Here we go. And he was like, no, no, there's no chance. Jay Bateman has been that bad that I'm willing to try Manny Diaz. And here's why. The biggest reason is that I think you could convince Manny to come to Chapel Hill a lot easier than you could convince Will Muschamp, who is not a defensive coordinator, he's a defensive analyst on that Georgia staff, to come be your defensive coordinator. Well, here's the here's the other part of that is that it, does it not appear that Will Muschamp is probably going to be the defensive coordinator next year at Georgia? Because yeah. Dan, Dan Lanning... He's going to get a job, you would you imagine. Would, well, although, I don't know, man. This, this, this. I mean, the trickle-down effect, maybe he ends up getting a job. But I'm shocked he doesn't have one already. And, I mean, how many openings are still left? You know? I mean, I, I think, look, I think Dan Lanning should no doubt have a job. But if he doesn't... And it looks like he's not going to, then oh yeah, I'm with you, dude. You need to make the charge. That's that would be my number one. Would be Muschamp. I would take yes. Muschamp over Manny Diaz mainly because this is the reason why I asked the question. Manny Diaz was the defensive play caller this year for Miami, and their defense was not great. Does that give you any hesitation? The obvious answer should be yes, but. It's really hard to be the head coach and the play caller of either side of the football. See, I'm with you on that. And and you get the results that you usually think you're going to get because 
he's calling the defense, but he still has got to manage the clock, manage timeouts, challenges, all that stuff. There's no way he's 100% focused on the defense because he can't be. So I, I'm not – that doesn't play as big a role into my thinking as the numbers would suggest with, the, with their defense, and, and we saw it up close. It wasn't great. But look at our defense. It wasn't great either. So it was about on par. With and it. Manny Diaz has a proven track record of being a quality defensive coordinator in the Power Five. Something Jay Bateman did not have when we hired him to be our defensive coordinator and something that for three years he has proven to still not be. So, yeah, no, I mean, at the least, you've got to be taking a serious look at it. There's no way that you're going into this and you're saying, nah, we're, we're, not, we're not even considering this at all. I mean, look, if, if you go back and look at the defensive numbers when he was the defensive coordinator for the Hurricanes from 2016 to 2018. 2018, they allowed 19 points per game, which was 18th in the country. 278.7 yards, uh, total yards allowed. The year prior, their numbers not as stingy, but again, a team that didn't allow a lot of points, 21 a game, which was 28th in the country, a little more yards, 364.2. And then you go even back to 2016 and 18 points per game. So this is a consistent, this is a team that's not letting up a lot of points. Jay Bateman's defense this year allowed 31 points per game. Not good, Bob. That is something that, if you're looking for a guy that's trying to take steps in the right direction, mm-hmm. That's not showing that to me. I think if you have Manny Diaz as a guy that is focused on just the defensive side of the football, and this is the other, this is the beautiful thing about that too. I think part of the reason why Jay Bateman has also had some struggles as a D coordinator, he's also coaching a position group, yep. which makes no sense to me at all. Um, if Manny Diaz comes in and is the guy that is solely focused on being a defensive coordinator only, I think that could work wonders for you. And I think they've got to look into it. And, I mean, look, if you want to use the bowl game as as justification for that at this point because you've waited this long, then that's fine. But there's no no guarantee that he's still going to be out there. To me... This needs to be a legitimate conversation that is being had as we are doing this podcast yes. inside of the Carolina football facilities. Yes. So, and, and the other thing is, is what I found interesting about this is now with them firing him, they bring in Mario Cristobal. There, there's, there's two angles that I want to talk about here. One thing that you said earlier, I did not have this actually in the podcast, but I thought it was interesting. You said that None of the other hires in the Coastal really scare you. No. Which I'm with you. I mean, first of all, for Virginia, they were put in a really bad spot. My God, Bronco Mendenhall. I mean, look, I know we don't know what's going on with Bronco. That could be family illness. That could, be, Even though they said the family was caught off guard, that could be some, some mental health, something like that. Um, But they kind of caught – I mean, that had to have caught them – Way off guard, and yeah. that means now there's they get Anthony Poindexter, who's a, an alum. That looked like kind of a scramble hire. 
Duke's kind of in limbo. They have no clue who they're actually going to bring in. Um, So that job's still open at this point. And then Brent Pry goes to Virginia Tech. So now you have Mario Cristobal at Miami. You said that none of the other three scare you, but this one does scare you a little bit. Why? Why? He instantly becomes the best head coach in the Coastal. I know Mac Brown's a Hall of Famer, and I know Mac Brown's won a national championship. But like I told you all summer, and you got mad at me, and Tar Heel Twitter got mad at me, the body of work since that, since 2009, hasn't wasn't elite coach Mac Brown. Mario Cristobal's 35 and 13 as a head coach. That's not bad. He's won a Rose Bowl. He took Oregon into the horseshoe and beat Ohio State. He's also a great recruiter. He has coached under Nick Saban. And it's not it's not just the crystal ball hiring. It's Dan Radakovich becoming the AD. We think. That hasn't been um, confirmed still. And yet. the amount of money that they they have committed to him, 10 years, $80 million, so $8 million a year. But they're not stopping with him. He's going to have, when it's all said and done, their, their staff will be on par with what Clemson's paying their staff, so he's going to be able to pay elite coordinators. This is the first time in our lifetime we have seen Miami say, okay, we're going to financially commit to being elite, an, an elite football program. Which makes no sense how they haven't well, done because, this prior. Because for 15 years, they sat there and said, well, we're the U, and you are the U, and you can still get some talent because of your logo and your history. And, your and where you're located. But all that's starting to fade, and you weren't committing. Look, you want to be an elite program? You got to spend money. You got to have the money, which they've always had the money. They've never been broke because of look at all their former alums. Look, Miami's a private university. You don't you don't get in there being poor. So they've always had the money, but they never wanted to spend the money. Now all of a sudden there's talk about them building a campus or a, a stadium closer to campus. How many times have we heard that though? But I'll, is, I'll I'll believe this, that this when I see it. This is the first time that it's there's like legitimate there's the money there. And here's the thing for us as Tar Heel fans and for you know the Virginias and the Dukes and and even for Pittsburgh if 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 Miami co- commits to being an elite football program on and off the field, it's not going to take them long to be elite again because the amount of pure talent that lives in Dave County, they can build an ACC. D- D- Davey. Whatever. They can build a na- an, an, an ACC contender right there. Then they can go build a national contender just in their state. And so that's the thing for us as Tar Heel fans is that we've gotten lucky with Miami not being Miami. And we've been able to compete with them recruiting, beat them on the field regularly. We've beaten them three straight times. If if this hire goes, if, if this hire works the way that I think it's going to work, it's not going to be too long before it's Clemson and Miami again competing, Clemson and Miami competing in the ACC. Well, I, look, there's no guarantee that this is going to work because remember the last time that you saw 
a coach from Oregon go to the ACC to a Florida school that has some nice history? He's a much better... Willie Taggart can't hold Mario Cristobal's jockstrap. I don't think... Uh, look, I think Mario Cristobal... Earlier this year, that win over Ohio State was huge for him. That was really the first significant win against a team that was favored that he's gotten. And they look great in that game. You got to give him credit. Yeah, he is doing a heck of a job recruiting-wise as well. But I just... there The fact that he got blown out two times in a row, and his teams looked absolutely lifeless against Utah, definitely has me concerned. I think he's a very good coach. I think right now, with the season that you're coming off of, yeah, you. I mean, he's the best coach. Well, yeah, he's probably the best coach in the ACC Coastal, although Pat Narduzzi, man, he, God, he, he, had, he had some struggles early on with those defenses. He has really started to put it together. So I think it's I think it's Cristobal, Mac, and Narduzzi at the top, clearly ahead of everybody else in in the coastal. You're gonna in terms put Narduzzi of ahead of Mac. He's he just won the ACC. Yeah, I mean, and he's and he's won it twice in three years. Yeah. So now, granted, the one year they were seven and they finished the season seven and seven, but still, I I I, I mean, I I think that this could work for Miami. But I'm not saying I'm afraid. And, if they had now I'll let me put it this way. If they had gotten Lane Kiffin, I'm shaking in my boots. Well, but I'm not going to lie to you. It's more about the financial commitment that they want to have to the staff. See, entering the coaching carousel, I was more worried about Virginia Tech. If Virginia Tech, which many people believe is a top 20 to 25 job nationally in the country, had they went and got someone who wasn't the co-defensive coordinator at Penn State, had they went and got Luke Fickle, had they had they purged away another elite type of coordinator, I would have been more worried because Virginia Tech, A, is they've been more consistently relevant than Miami's been. And also, Carolina's been able to re- out-recruit them in their state because the lack of success in Justin Fuente, you get the right coach in there, you're not you're not beating Virginia Tech out for the talent anymore like you are right now. But right now I'm not worried about that. And then look, Virginia they, they by the they entered a they they just they got the wrong cycle to try to get a coach. Yep. And and Virginia, not worried about Anthony Poindexter, Duke, no no <laughs> we don't. They may not have a coach um, when when they play next year. It's it's like I've told everyone about the Duke job. You you can win there because it's been proven. Spurrier won there. Cutcliffe won there. You ain't winning until Mac leaves. Because why Cutcliffe was able to win is because the lack of in-state recruiting Larry Fedora did. Yeah. So you were able to get those three star players, and you had better coaching than we had. Even though we were going into Georgia, Florida to get the talent. And so that's what's going to have to take is for that Duke program to say, well, whenever Mac Brown leaves and and Dave Doran either leaves or ultimately gets fired, then maybe you can you can start recruiting again in the state. And with Wake Forest being good, it's really going to hurt them as well. Well, the other thing is you, ta- you just said, you said Spurrier and Cutcliffe. You're talking about two dudes that are, I mean, they, they are probably inside of the top 50, 75 coaches of the last 40 years in college football. Like, both of these guys are highly respected right. football minds. So, with, 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 but with Miami, just the, 
the sheer talent that exists, with the money that's being committed, there's going to be that driving force to get them relevant again. Like when Mark Rick took the job, and it took Mark Rick two years. They were eleven and one. I mean, but here's the, I I get that. Here's the we they have had. Let's not act like Miami teams have not been talented recently. They've still landed really good recruiting classes, even this past cycle. And before Danny, Manny Diaz got fired, they are pu- they are putting together very good recruiting classes. They're, we're, they need their to, class right now ranks fifty seventh in the country. Well, yeah, and they've. I I think Marshall has a better recruiting class today. People people definitely started jumping off the Miami bandwagon once you saw early in the season. That this was not going to be a good football. It's not a bandwagon, it's a crack wagon. So I think I just I've got to see it before I can believe it. Because this is once again the talks of the U is back. Texas is back. To All be, these great universities to be fair, are back. That's, that's the that's every average that's that's every program in the ACC is it's been all talk, no walk. Virginia Tech when they got Fuente. All a lot of talk, one ACC title game appearance. We hired Mac Brown. All talk, not a whole lot of walk. Miami, Mark Rick, now he got 11-1, and they made a New Year's Six Bowl game. Then health really deteriorated where that program was going. Right, right. And, 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 and so now it's it, – right now it's a lot of talk, but there's more reason to believe this time that they're going to be able to back it up on the playing field, which is good for college football. Not so good for Tar Heel fans. I, 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 I mean, look. I think there's a chance that they could be good, but if I'm a Tar Heel fan today, my thinking is at least it's not Lane Kiffin. That well, would be my thinking. Is well, that Ball's a good coach? But I think that if Carolina can continue to build on these recruiting classes and develop the talent that they're bringing in. It's not a foregone conclusion that Miami is going to overtake them and just become dominant in the Coastal. We'll find out next year because they will enter the preseason favor to win the Coastal, and they will be a trendy pick to be a team that goes from nothing into the New Year Six. Maybe even the college football playoff. They may be one of those teams, yeah. depending on who they bring in transfer-wise, that people are talking about. Uh, for that one. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll get you out of here with a couple of closing notes. Uh, let's start with uh, on the recruiting trail. The Tar Heels, two commits, end up landing Gatorade Player of the Year in their states. Amari and Hampton, the four-star running back commit for the Tar Heels, does take home the Gatorade Player of the Year award for the state of North Carolina. Zach Rice takes home the Gatorade Player of the Year for the state of Virginia, which is huge because that's an offensive lineman taking that home. That's pretty significant. Uh, He does play a little bit on the defensive side of the football too, but mostly an offensive lineman. So that shows you just how talented that young man is coming in to play at Carolina next year uh, on that offensive line that just needs so much help. Uh, The other recruiting storyline that we have to tell you about is Benji Gosnell, the four-star tight end. 
uh, slash linebacker in the 2022 class. Of course, the brother of Steven Gosnell. He did commit the other day to Virginia Tech. Uh, once they got, you know, ended up firing Justin Fuente, there was some thought that maybe Carolina could make a push there. Uh, but Brent Pry and his guys uh, there, the new staff at Virginia Tech, able to lock that one down. Now, of course, uh, Carolina is going to be trying to flip some guys here over uh, this next week or so period, uh, about week, week and a half period, as they come up on the early signing period um, or, or the early signing day. Um, Carolina is is looking primarily at the safety spot. There are a couple of different guys back there that they are trying to flip, including Will Hardy, uh, who's out of the state of Georgia, is committed to Virginia currently, um, and is you know sort of questioning that just a little bit. It seems after Bronco Mendenhall's departure. Uh, also, one thing that's very interesting is that uh, Carolina was, of course, going after uh, a group of different guys from Clemson, and with Brett Venables uh, heading to take the head coaching job out at Oklahoma. Now there are some guys that are starting to question their commitment to Clemson. You're already seeing some guys that have decommitted. A couple of guys have flipped already. Um, so there are, are going to be some names out there for Carolina. And also another thing that they're going to have to do is hit that transfer portal hard. There are a bunch of big-time names out there. Um, Carolina, a couple of guys uh, that were former Tar Heels now have found their destinations. Choffrey Brown will join Clyde Pinder Jr. at South Florida, and Emory Simmons is heading to play for Indiana. Carolina, of course, uh, they they are looking hard at the portal right now. We heard a couple of weeks ago that they are uh, currently, or at that point, they had not seen any names that had really interested them too much uh, in the portal, but we're hoping that is going to change here over the next couple of weeks as some bigger names get ready to hit this offseason. Well, we'll have you covered on all of those fronts over on the Heel Tough blog website, heeltoughblog.com. Uh, as I mentioned, we're going to have you covered with all of that stuff, recruiting, transfer portal, all that stuff. We're heading up towards National Signing Day. So, yeah, that's going to be a big day for us on the website. We will, of course, uh, this year, it's going to be a little bit trickier to kind of have that live thread going. Um, but if it if it's like last year, how they did it, where they release one every 30 minutes, I think it's just going to kind of be scheduled. It's not going to be where a bunch of guys are going to send in their letters of intent at the same time. And uh, you're going to have a bunch of guys rolling in. It's going to be more 30 uh, minutes in between each one. So we'll try to keep you up to date on that. But if not, we can't do it with the thread like we've done it in the past. We will definitely have a recap of everybody that signs on the first day of the signing period. Remember, it is a three-day period, so guys can sign uh, on the first, second, or third day, but most guys tend to usually sign on that first day. So that'll be the big day where we'll hit it. We'll have Zach Hubbard will be with us, and we'll do uh, a roundup of of everything that uh, Carolina is bringing in in the 2022 class. Also, uh, of course, we'll tell you about some of the other areas that Carolina may need to look to add uh, in, as they head into February, which is an area where they usually have found one or two gems over the past couple of years. So we'll have you all that stuff for you on the website, HeelToughBlog.com, and, of course, over on the podcast uh, and uh, live stream side of things. Uh, make sure that you guys also check out our coverage of the bowl game. Uh, we broke it down there for you. We're going to go more in-depth. We'll, of course, have an in-depth preview of the game uh, a couple of days before the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, but we'll have you covered uh, on the website as well with a preview, recap, 
stock report, and then that'll get us out for the 2021 season. Then we'll head into our final grades for the season. And, of course, after that, we'll circle around into off-season mode in terms of the -the on-the-field stuff. We'll have you covered with all the stuff going on draft-wise. Is Sam Howell going to enter the NFL draft? Is he not? Jeremiah Gimmel got invited to the Senior Bowl, so we will be locked in on the Senior Bowl and watching everything that's going on with that and tell you about his performance. Uh, And then, of course, when the NFL uh, Combine comes up, we will have you covered on that front. Podcast side of things, we're going to be trying to get a, uh, you know, a good amount of draft guests on to kind of give you a look at some of the draft prospects and tell you what exactly to expect for the guys that are headed to the NFL. So a bunch of stuff coming up, even though the, the season is about to come to an end. We'll have you covered with all of that stuff. And Josh has you covered on the basketball side of things as well. The basketball team, two consecutive big wins over Michigan and Georgia Tech. Got a game this weekend against Elon in the Smith Center and then Carolina. Uh, they do. They have another game in between there that I am blanking on. Furman. That's right. Furman. And then they go out to Vegas the to play. Paladins. And then they go out west to play the uh, to play UCLA in Vegas. Uh, and then, believe it or not, after that, I saw this today. After that, didn't believe it. After that, they come home play App State, and then they're in conference play. So amazingly, it's coming up that quickly. Josh has you covered with all that stuff on the website. Me and him taking you through the season as well on the podcast side of things on the Four Corners podcast. You can check both podcasts out on the website. There's tabs at the top of the page for each one of them. Also, great place to check out all that stuff that we just talked about is on social media, the Facebook page. Make sure you check out that Facebook page. Give it a like and follow when you do, we'll post all the editions of the podcast on there. Uh, if you're a listener to the podcast, check it out on any of your major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, iHeart Spotify, uh, all those great apps. And then also make sure that uh, you guys head back over to that Facebook page and check out the video editions of the podcast. We are going to have the preview for the South Carolina uh, for, for the game against South Carolina in the Duke's Mayo Bowl. That will be uh, one on camera. So make sure that you guys check that out. Um, and we'll have some more that we'll be doing, uh, you know, throughout. Uh, may- maybe a couple throughout the offseason. Most of those will be off camera, though. And then, of course, when we circle back around next year, we will be back on camera for the game, uh, for-, for the games when we preview them and recap them. But all that stuff is on the Facebook page for you guys and also on the Twitter page at Heel Tough Blog on Twitter for the official page. And then make sure you check out our personal pages at HTB Anthony for me, at HTB Josh for him, and at Hack Zubber 2 for Zacco. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, I want to thank Josh for hosting with me. And as always, go Tar Heels!